Job News USA is hosting a massive job fair this July that you won't want to miss. Whether you're looking to transition to another job or begin working again, there are hundreds of jobs available to learn more about, meet the employer, and even apply to. The job fair is happening on Wednesday, July 19th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the Aurora Summit Event and Conference Center. Event parking and admission are free. Just be sure to dress professionally and bring plenty of resumes. You can pre-register at JobNewsUSA.com or call 913-383-1100 for more information. Once again, the Job News USA Job Fair will be on Wednesday, July 19th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the Aurora Summit Event and Conference Center. Admission and parking are free, and you can pre-register at JobNewsUSA.com. Again, that's JobNewsUSA.com. It's KLZ in the palm of your hand. The KLZ 560 app. Download it free for iPhone and Android. This is Rush to Reason. You are going to shut your damn yapper and listen for a change because I got you pegged, sweetheart. You want to take the easy way out because you're scared. And you're scared because if you try and fail, there's only you to blame. Let me break this down for you. Life is scary. Get used to it. There are no magical fixes. With your host, John Rush. My advice to you is to do what your parents did. Get a job, sir. You haven't made everybody equal. You've made them the same, and there's a big difference. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. It is this feeling that has brought you to me. Are you crazy? Am I? Or am I so sane that you just blew your mind? It's Rush to Reason, brought to you by Absolute Electrical Heating and Air. With your host, John Rush. All right, welcome everybody. The Tuesday edition, Rush to Reason. Thanks for joining us today, myself and Andy. And it is a beautiful, warm day finally in Colorado. It is warm. It's a little scorching, actually, little but warm. it is gorgeous out there. I don't want to hear anybody whining about it. You know, and I made it all the way in to the, you know KLZ without any baseball-sized hail. Well, that actually is an improvement. My gosh, have you ever seen? This many hailstorms? Uh, not in one year. No, I have not. I have not either. It no. has been incredible. No, not in, not one, in one year like we've had, I mean, I can, again, lived here my whole life, and I've seen some things, you know, go on, wild weather, things like that. But no, I cannot, Andy, remember this many in one season. Now, this many in different parts of Colorado kind of spread around, of course. Yeah, that's kind of a normal year. But here in almost... All areas where you could pretty much pick and choose. This is where it's going to land. No, I cannot remember a time like that. Oh, it's been it's been crazy, John. Uh, I think Roof Savers is going to be able to buy a small country after they're done with this yeah, season. Yeah, um, yeah, great. good for no, them. No, great point, Andy. All right, let's do this. Jordan Goodman joining us today, America's Money Answer Man. Jordan, hello. How are you today? Great to be with you. Always great to be with you. Question of the day, really fast. We'll get this out of the way. Yes, and maybe maybe either one of you know this. What is the term for when someone keeps buying books but never reads them? No clue. There's a term. It's actually a Japanese term. Nope. It is uh, sunduku. Don't, it, it's spelled T-S-U-N-D-O-K-U, and it is buying books and never reading them. There you go. Well, I learn something every day from you, John. Yeah, there Thanks, you go. John. 
All right, today's impossible <laughs> question. Answer this on the RushToReason.com website. Name the NFL team that was nominated in 1985 for a Grammy Award for Best Rhythm and Blues Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocals. I would have known this one. So Yeah, this one's too easy. I know, easy. I know that one, too. Yeah. Super Bowl so Shuffle. We will not yeah. say. So anyway, okay. we'll leave that one that, as it is. We gave you a hint. Answer that on the website. We appreciate <laughs> it. All right, so Jordan... Uh, as always, lots going on. Uh, never a dull yep. moment when it comes to the financial end of things. Give us sort of a synopsis on where things are at today. Well, there was a big news event today, which is that the judge in the case between uh, the Federal Trade Commission and Microsoft, which has been trying to acquire Activision Blizzard, and FTC was trying to block it, the judge uh, ruled in favor of Microsoft, allowing them to uh, acquire Activision Blizzard for $75 billion. This has been going on for about a year and a half. Right. And they did a trial and finally came down to it. And basically the judge, and I agree with the judge in this case, said it's not anti-competitive. That, um, no, there's plenty of other competitors out there besides them. Right. There's Nintendo. There's uh, all kinds of players. Oh, you, yeah, you look at all the different people well. that are on you know, the Google Play Store the App Store, and so on. I mean, all the different gaming companies that are out there, Jordan. Um, I don't want to say the right. list is endless, Sony, but there is a lot. Jordan, what was the what was the FTC's argument in the first place? Because I'm not sure how you could even justify that. Or well, even they try. were saying it's a vertical, a vertical merger. A horizontal merger is where two companies are basically do the same thing, merge. But a vertical merger is where one uses uh, the, the services or products of the other, that kind of thing. So... Microsoft has uh, the machines, the consoles, and Activision Blizzard has the games that work on the consoles. So the FTC was saying it was anti-competitive um, and that consumers would lose and prices would go up and uh, Microsoft would only favor its own games and not the games of other players that are not Activision Blizzard. And every time they did something, uh, uh, Microsoft came up with a solution and said no, and they you know, testified in court that they are not going to block Activision Blizzard games from working on Sony Playstations or Nintendo Switches or things like that. Well, well, so every time the FTC came up with something, they rebutted well, it instantly. Which, which um, anybody with any business sense at all would know that I want my game on every console, not just my own. Exactly. It didn't even make financial sense for them exactly. to make well, it exclusive to their own, to, you know, to their own thing. Right. So anyway, it was. A, but who knows? Who knows which way a judge is going to go? And they went in, in Microsoft's favor. So this has major implications, mm. not only for the tech sector but antitrust in general. Uh, the administration has lost several antitrust. Wait, it's really quick to stop you for a moment. This particular yeah. administration is very much against any kind of merger. Am I correct in saying right. that? That's correct. That's correct. And sometimes mergers help consumers, and they give them. Um, so I, I think he made the right decision, but people didn't know which way it was going to go. And um, so the FTC, particularly, but also the Antitrust Division of the Justice Department, has been blocking or trying to block mm -hmm. all kinds of deals. And uh, I think in this case, some of these deals that they've been trying to block might now go through because. Uh, the companies acquiring saying, well, it's worth it to go to court mm, good point. and get the deal we want because we could win. And the, you know, Microsoft had the financial muscle um, and the legal firepower uh, to win. It took about a year and a half. You can imagine their legal bills. Wow. <laughs> but they're happy to be able to spend $75 billion, And so now they'll probably acquire it by Monday. It's going to happen. Go, go right ahead here.
Okay, Jordan, hypothetically, let's take a step back here. Why is it even such a problem to do vertical mergers? And what I mean is this, uh, you know, I used to work in the uh, casinos and there was a major company called Bally's, which puts out, uh, you know, uh, the slot right, machine. They make the machines and have the casinos. That's right. Right. They have the right. slot machines. They have the software and the casinos. So they got all three levels, and right. uh, that's been very good. It doesn't stop any kind of competition because you got com- competition in all three of those areas anyway. Why is that such a problem? I just, I guess, I'm not understanding. I think you go back to John's point: is that the FTC doesn't want any mergers. <laughs> Basically, they're against all mergers. Um, whether they be vertical or horizontal. I mean, another example that's a horizontal one is JetBlue is going to try to buy Spirit Airlines, which is a horizontal merger. They're both airlines. And the uh, FTC is going to try to stop that one, too. Now, those are two decent airlines, but combined, they'll be able to be uh, more powerful in combining against Delta, United, and, you know, Americans and the big boys. right. Um, so, you know, I think a horizontal merger makes sense in the airline. There's already been a lot of mergers in the airline business, and this is like the number five and six in the, in the getting together. Uh, yeah, yeah the, and I mean, I think, and I think where, against all mergers. Where, that's where, pe- really, oh, go ahead. Where, people get con- where people get sort of confused, I think, is where, and, and I do feel at times, not very often, there is a place for the FTC to step in and say, you know, for example, there's two airlines. We have two major airlines in the country. They want to merge and form one. Yeah, that's probably right. a situation where government... That's a monopoly. That's probably, right. Yeah, that's a monopoly, probably a place where government should step in and do something about it. But the, the things that you were just mentioning, Jordan, a moment ago, do not apply to that. Yeah. Well, they're going to fight it anyway, and I think they're going to lose. Um, they've lost some other antitrust cases. This, by far, the one that happened today was the biggest, by far, $75 billion. Now, in the short term, the specific areas that I think this is going to impact is artificial intelligence. Hmm. There's a lot of smaller companies yeah, that are doing really great work in artificial intelligence that probably are going to be bought out by the big guys, by true. Facebook, by Microsoft. And now I think they're going to feel they're going to be able to go ahead and do that, whereas before they might have been worried about that. Uh, because Microsoft has, you know, big uh, coffers, and they want to acquire all kinds of AI applications. And I think with, because of this decision, they're going to be able to do that, whereas before they might not have done it. That's that's an immediate impact of this. Well, again, uh, how, is, across, how, is, how is that a bad thing, though? Because I would think that's a real achievement. If you're a small company, you develop a product that is so great that a, that a large company is going to be incentivized to buy it from you at a huge profit for you. I don't see where that's a bad thing. Well, what the, what the FTC, I'm, I'm going to put my FTC hat on for a moment. They would say okay. that they try to snuff out small, um, innovative companies. And I'll give you an example of what they're going to use. They're, they're also going to sue Amazon for antitrust. So, for example, Amazon has bought several companies uh, that competed with its own products. In, for example, um, dog food, I think, or in, in pet care kind of stuff. They bought some pet care uh, online companies that competed with us and then they integrated. Or they, they, they bought a whole bunch of companies, Amazon has. And the FTC is saying that's snuffing out competition uh, by acquiring these kind of companies. So I think they're going to lose, but that's the argument they make. Yeah, yeah that's, again, I think they agree with you. I think they're going to lose. That That is their argument. And, and what I think the FTC, again, it's government, so I, I can't speak for them, but the thing that they're missing is, 
little companies can get snuffed out all the time depending upon how well they're situated, what their cash flow is like. I mean, Jordan, that's your world. You know far more about that than even right. I do. Uh, you know, little companies get snuffed out by big companies on a daily basis. That's just the way the market works. Think of the in the drug industry, okay? A, a small company uh, creates, they've got great scientists, creates a new drug, but they don't have the money to market it and get it out there, okay? And they, these biotech companies get acquired all the time by big pharma, Pfizer, Eli mm-hmm. Lilly, Merck, right. and so on. And, and the FTC is against all of those, but I think it allows those drugs to get distributed much faster using the sales forces yeah. of these big companies than they could ever do on their own. Well, the FTC is against all those, too. And, and you're, in the case you just gave as an example, sometimes those companies will burn through so much cash, investment, seed money, right. and so on, that by the time they get to the end, if they don't have somebody coming along to absorb them at, their, at that point, the patents, the drug, all the money that they've spent, they may never get it to market. And in many cases, they, they don't have the money to go to phase two and phase three trials. Correct. They might have gotten through phase one and gotten a good result. And by the way, that may have been their whole design to, to the begin other with. To actually get it, you know, to get it uh, well, if on you, the market. If you get a good result in phase one, can't you then show that to investors that, that and have could them invest in, in going the to the next? Yes, exactly. Yeah, why is that a bad thing? I'm, I'm, I'm missing something. It's not. You can, but it, it's, a, it's a hard thing to do. I mean, oh, a lot sure. of drugs fail in phase two and three. Mm-hmm. So you, you can... But if you're part of some big company, if you're part of Merck or Pfizer or something, they have deep pockets to kind of see you through and make sure it actually gets, gets out there. So that's just another example mm-hmm. I think mergers can actually help. Agree. Uh, in this case, the consumer of, of those drugs, they get out there to help people and that the drug may never have made it because they didn't have the financial backing before. Jordan, do you think that maybe they could claim that what happened at the White House last week was just a phase one test? <laughs> Maybe. What are you referring maybe, to? Maybe, Andy. Oh, maybe. nothing. Maybe. Nothing. Maybe. Nothing. Yeah, just, a, just a phase one test. Yes, good one, Andy. <laughs> All right. We'll, uh, we'll leave it at that for that segment. Hang tight. We'll come right back. Any questions okay. for Jordan, send me a text message. I'll get that answered as soon as we come back. 307-200-8220 to Extreme Auto Repair. I actually had two different text messages coming in as Andy and Jordan were talking about some car-related issues and just happened to be on the south end of town. Both of those, of course, Extreme Auto Repair is the place to go. For those of you listening that might need that number because you've been texting asking, it's 303 841 You can also find them at klzradio.com. Colorado's spring potholes leave drivers like you feeling deflated. Air up with extreme auto repair in Parker. With the excessive rain and late cold and snow we've seen around the metro area, you can bet new potholes are forming every day, making your almost bald tires wear much faster and perform much worse than unworn tires. Often, hitting potholes creates problems in addition to tire damage like bent rims or suspension and alignment issues, and Extreme is always happy to do a preliminary assessment of the damage, free of charge, to make sure you're always safe on the road. Extreme carries high-quality Goodyear and Cooper tires, and they sell at cost, meaning they can meet or beat any offer in the market. They offer financing for most issues and offer a generous military, police, and first responder discount. And Extreme Auto Repair is AAA certified and uses ASC certified master mechanics. So reach out to Extreme Auto Repair today at klzradio.com slash extreme or call 303-841-1071. 
All right, is a reverse mortgage right for you? I don't know, but Bruce Simmons does. That's his specialty. That's all he does. Find him at klzradio.com. A reverse mortgage can make sense for you if you are properly prepared. KLZ's reverse mortgage professor, Bruce Simmons, can help make sure you are ready. Many things you do not need to do first, like paying your bills off first or making certain repairs. And sometimes you will need to shore up some things on the home title or a repair that Bruce knows will be needed for the appraisal. The point is you can be prepared for a reverse mortgage and move now rather than waiting. In an interest rate increasing environment, acting quicker rather than later puts more money in your pocket. Call Bruce Simmons for a free consultation at 303-467-7821. That's 303-467-7821. Or schedule online now at klzradio.com slash reverse. And MLS 409914, American Liberty Mortgage, is an equal housing lender. A business that simply closes its stores loses almost all of its equity. Unless you have a plan for handing your business off to the next owner, you will not see the most financial return for your investment. You've invested years of hard work into your business. Make sure you retire with a long-term plan for your business to continue running without you. John Rush needs about two years to get your business running smoothly enough to sell. Start now and in two years, you can retire with a tidy profit knowing your investment has paid off. Email john at rushtoreason.com. God, country, reason. Now back to John Rush. All right, myself, Andy Pate, Jordan Goodman, of course, America's Money Answer Man. Jordan, before we continue on, how do folks reach you? Uh, Jordan at moneyanswers.com is my email, the easiest way to get me. All right, perfect. All right, talk to us about the Supreme Court decision to block the student forgiveness program, which, by the way, I think is another smart decision because the president should not have the authority to set those sort of budgetary things, period. He should not be allowed to spend our dollars. That's not the the uh, uh, that is not the responsibility of the executive branch by any means. So I think that was the right call. What does that mean, though, when it comes to, you know, the money side of, of things? I know some people were counting on those things being forgiven. And now that they're not, what does that do? Forty-three million people were counting on it. So yes, it was a lot of people. Uh, these are both graduates and the parents of the graduates. In many cases, parents Correct. take on loans on behalf of their kids. So forty-three million people have student loans, and pretty much all of them were expecting to have ten thousand dollars forgiven. And if you had a Pell Grant, up to twenty thousand dollars forgiven. Um, President Biden just did this by executive order. It was kind of always on a little bit of shaky legal ground, and it was kind brought of. to the Supreme Court, which, which voted 6-3 to three, that he was not authorized to do so. Nancy Pelosi, when she was Speaker of the House, said, so. said this is something Congress has to do. It's Correct. not something he can do by executive order. Correct. So he was on shaky legal ground from the beginning, but he certainly gave people the impression that he had the right to do it. And it was about to go into effect. <laughs> it was about to well, and, and this, I guess, again, side note, and I'm not a psychology major by any means, Jordan, but I just always have to wonder, okay, do you not, can you not read the tea leaves? If you're somebody with one of these loans and you've got a president who's looking for votes telling you that your loan's going to be forgiven, and yet you should know, you've got a college degree, you should know that the executive branch doesn't have that authority, why would you be counting on that being forgiven? Because the president said it's going to happen. He does, he's you not know, the he supreme ruler. This is not a democracy. <laughs> Jordan, well, where, where on earth did they get the idea that auto mechanics and plumbers and electricians should be paying 
helping pay for the, the student loans for people who are making 200 k a year, which is what a lot right. of them are going to go on to do. Let's face it, a lot of these people when with these degrees. When he proposed this in the first place, when he proposed this in the first place, about half the country thought it was a terrible idea, because why should I be subsidizing those? And half the people thought it was a great idea, because they had student loans. It was pretty clear. True. Yeah, but they hadn't thought it was, about it. They, no, they did the, not the, think I think that. I think over time, Jordan, the polls moved. I think initially, all you have are people who know a college student or are a college student immediately having that initial emotional thought. Then they think about it, and the polls moved one way, only one way. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, the end result is they're not going to get forgiven, and it's actually a double whammy on people's student loans because there's been a three-year, I guess you call it a tax holiday, yeah. uh, because of COVID, where people have not had to pay on their student loans that ends at the end of August. So people are going to have to start paying the interest, and the interest was, was piling up during those three years. It didn't stop, but they just didn't have to make payments. Now they're going to have to start making payments on their existing student loans, and they're not going to get 10000 or as much as 20000 forgiven. Right. So the people with student loans, so economists look at this. Maybe this is going to affect the economy in a negative way because all these people who are planning on spending that 10000 won't be able to. And we're not making payments on student loans are now going to have to pay on both and they're going to re- restrict their spending in other areas. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but what about the banks finally the getting paid? Doesn't that help? It's not the banks, it's the government. It's well, us government. as taxpayers. It's us. Correct. Isn't some... This is federal loans. You and me. Yeah. Well, we finally get paid. We finally get paid, yes. How is that not a good thing? Well, and that's where that branch doesn't have the ability to forgive debt, if you would, because that's a budgetary issue. Because if you've given money out, expecting it in return, and it does not come back in, it's like somebody not paying their accounts receivable. The money's no longer coming in. That's a budgetary issue. That's, I'm sure, why it's a six to three vote. Duh. Right. I mean, Congress does have the right to do it. And they, they had a Democratic majority for two years, and they didn't do it. Good point. Uh, they they could have, they didn't. Good point. Hey, real quick, they I got, got a question that came in that I want to throw at you, because not that sure. this goes along with this, but it may for some people. So this may actually tie in. Are there any HELOCs being offered with bank statement only as opposed to tax returns and all the other qualifiers? That's what's called a stated income loan, and probably not, because uh, that's what's causing all the problems back in 2007, 2008 is people were getting these stated income mortgages, and the reality was not what they were stating. <laughs> okay, okay, so that's what got into trouble. So they have much tighter regulations now. I think you're going to have to show tax returns and uh, pay slips and, you know, prove it and not just say it. Okay. All right. Good. No, perfect. Thank you. And by the way, as, as I said, that may, for some people, tie in, because some of these people may be into, and you're, and you're right, and I do think this will have some impact, and I wanted to get into this as well. We'll talk about China in a moment, but to dovetail into that, will the Fed be looking at some of these things and thinking, wait a minute, yeah, we've been talking about maybe doing another interest rate increase on the same token. We've got this looming now debt crisis, if you would, on student debt that people are going to have to start paying back here come September. Uh, Is that going to factor into their decision on any of that? No. They're going to raise rates anyway. They don't care. I mean, you know, economists think this is going to slow the economy, and I, I think it will. I mean, I these are major you, payments the people have to make. They have not been paying on their three-year holiday and the 10000 that they were counting was going to disappear. But I don't think the Fed is going to do it. Now, the Fed is looking at inflation, which has been coming down. It's about 4.5%. Now, tomorrow we're going to get a CPI number that will probably be in the low 4% range, something like that. But they want 2%, and they want They're to keep doing it. So they, they, they took Those guys a pause are in June. 
they took a pause in June, but in their July meeting, I think it's highly likely they're going to raise rates another quarter point, which would be the 11th increase, in, and that'll bring them up to five and a half. And I think they're probably going to do one more by the end of the year as well. Knuckleheads. That'll be 12 increases. Yeah. These guys have yet um, to figure out they don't have the same tools in the toolbox they once had. That is not, in fact, I would go as far as to say it will increase inflation, not, re, not reduce inflation. Well, they're trying to slow the economy, which they think brings down inflation. Not going to happen. And they've done I mean, the economy, look at the housing market, which is much worse than it was. Right. You know, you have mortgage rates. Much worse, but it is not now. anywhere as close to tanking like everybody predicted it would. That's correct, but it's it's a lot slower than it was when mortgage rates were 3%. Agreed. 7%. A lot of people just get priced out of the market, which is what the Fed wants. They don't want to see 50 people bidding for a house and having bidding wars. They, they hate that kind of stuff because that's, in their mind, inflationary. So you don't have that as much these days. I think you know? the biggest factor is people holding on to houses because they're holding on to their low-interest exactly. mortgages mm-hmm. that they have. Right. Why would I want to jump so, and move to something else where I'm paying 7 or 8 when I've got something at 2 and a quarter? It depends on what right. you can cash so out of that for. And where you're right. the market. But what right. I mean is that they supply. almost need to sell what they have now at such a profit, move to a cheaper area, and simply buy a house straight out. Correct. You almost need to simply do that. Correct. And so what you have right now... and, and In some cases, that's happening. Right. And notice right now we have even more of a flood from expensive states to inexpensive states. Because of what you just said. That's correct. Right. Yep. Well, I just did it myself. <laughs> As you know, I moved from New York to North Carolina, which, by the way, today was announced to be the number one state for business by CNBC in their annual survey. That's because you went there. all the people moving in here are coming from New York and Illinois and other places, the high-tax right. you know, kind of states. And I did it myself, so yep. I agree with you. Yep, people exactly what's going to happen. don't want to pay the taxes and... Yep. High cost of living and, and everything else. Right. Jordan, yeah. do people flock to you everywhere you go? I mean, restaurants, or just, just going, this time. walking in the park. <laughs> are you able to actually walk in the park, or is it just kind of, or is it kind of, a, kind of a Forrest Gump thing where suddenly there are 50 people jogging behind you? No, but see, they don't know me well enough yet, so oh. I, I can walk without being attacked. Nice. Nice. All right, let's, we'll come back. We'll talk about China. Don't go anywhere, folks. Absolute Electrical Plumbing, Heating, and Air is up next. They want to help you with all of your heating, air conditioning, plumbing needs around the house. Give them a call today. Don't forget to ask about the Quiet Cool system as well. 720-526-0231. Your air conditioner is costing you a fortune, and Denver is the perfect climate for quiet, cool, attic, and whole house technology, so you can save money and enjoy a cool home. Absolute Electrical Plumbing, Heating, and Air is now your source for quiet, cool technology. With a quiet, cool whole house or attic fan, you can use the cool evenings and mornings to your advantage by pulling the cool air in and pushing the hot air out giving you a lower baseline temperature to start with and ensuring that your expensive air conditioner isn't doing all the work. The U.S. Department of Energy calls quiet cool fans the most cost-efficient way to cool any home. Don't sweat your way through the summer this year or pay a fortune to run your air conditioner. Get a quiet cool attic or whole house fan installed with absolute electrical plumbing, heating, and air today. KLZ listeners can save $300 on a quiet cool installation. Just go to klzradio.com slash absolute and fill out the short form. For quality and service beyond compare, call Absolute Electrical Heating and Air. 
Veterans Windows and Doors, whether it's one door, one window, or all that you need done, there's always a great deal awaiting you at Veteran Windows and Doors. 303-529-0720. Veteran Windows and Doors doesn't want you to fall prey to gimmicks like heat lamps. They want you to make a wise decision based on facts. Owner Dave Bancroft says making sure your windows are up to code and properly labeled is just the first step of the installation process with Veteran Windows and Doors. Dave promises their windows and doors meet the energy efficiency requirements, are right for your area of Colorado, and are correctly labeled at installation. The NFRC label is attached to the Energy Star label, and both must be energy efficient or you will not receive any of the generous rebates that are available to you. Also, you need a transferable lifetime guarantee on the windows and doors that you invest in for your home, and owner Dave Bancroft provides that peace of mind, too. Veteran Windows and Doors prioritize integrity over gimmicks, because in the end, it's not about the show, it's about the facts. Go to klzradio.com window today for windows and doors that stand the test of time. All right, if you're somebody with that student loan that you're going to start paying on here this fall and you've got an expensive car payment, you may want to trade down instead of up. Ridgeline Auto Brokers, in all seriousness, can help you, whether it's trade up, trade down, you name it. They're there to help you find the car that will be best for you. 303-442-4141. Are you in the market for a reliable car that won't break the bank? Drive Radio sponsor, Ridgeline Auto Brokers specializes in quality used cars that cost between fifteen dollars to $25,000, making them a great option for first-time drivers or anyone looking for a good deal. They pride themselves on providing a transparent and hassle-free car buying experience. That's why at Ridgeline, they never charge a dealer fee. Plus, all vehicles are inspected by Legacy Automotive, a Colorado Select member and sponsor of Drive Radio. For a limited time, they are offering first-time customers the first oil change for only $1. Every car comes with a 30-day warranty, with the option to purchase a service contract. And at Ridgeline Auto Brokers, there are competitive financing options to fit your budget. If you cannot make it to the dealership in person, there are videos of all Ridgeline cars for sale on their website at RidgelineAutoBrokers.com. Call today at 303-442-4141 to schedule a test drive or visit RidgelineAutoBrokers.com. Ridgeline Auto Brokers, the smartest way to buy a car. This is Rush to Reason, powered by Absolute Electrical Plumbing, Heating, and Air. All right, we are back. Jordan Goodman with us, myself and Andy, America's Money Answer Man, of course. All right, talk to us about China, Jordan. China's really deteriorating very rapidly. Some amazing numbers just came out yesterday. Uh, Their consumer inflation is at 0%, and their producer inflation, producer prices, fell 5.4% in June. That's deflation. Um, particularly their real estate market, is just collapsing. I mean, they've had all these developers who are building these huge towers, and they ran out of money, and now these just hulks just sitting there half-finished, and people put money down for apartments that are never going to be finished. They've lost their money. It's just a complete disaster, actually. Now, Treasury Secretary Yellen was just there in the last few days and tried to kind of make nice with the Chinese and see, see if we can get things on a better footing. Um... There are all these pleasantries, but I don't think it changed the basic situation is that they are our chief rival on the economic, political, and military front. I mean, people are 
threatening Taiwan all the time and the South China Sea. Um, and even though they're becoming weaker and weaker domestically, they're just being bullies around the world, actually. Well, typically what happens, as you know, when you start losing on one end, you have to bully your way around to try to compensate for the things that you're losing. I'm sure they're looking at Taiwan as, hey, this would be a nice cash injection for us. Let's go after it because they're not doing very well at home right now. That's typically what happens. But it, it, it'll be the opposite, just like with I Russia. I mean, they thought they were going to take over Ukraine in like a week. Not, it's been devastating for well, Russia. Yeah, they, they, didn't, uh, they didn't factor in all the variables very well. And the same thing with Taiwan, I think. I agree. I mean, uh, so, I don't know, maybe the Chinese are thinking sec- second, having second thoughts about going after Taiwan, but they, their rhetoric keeps saying that they want to do it. Let's put it that way. And, and their actions. Well, I mean, as you know, their culture, and, you know, as you know, their culture will not ever allow them to back down and say we were wrong. That's not something they can do. You know that. That's right. That's right. It's, even though it's mature, it's, it, it, they can't take shame or... or no. um, no, that, that is, you know, admitting yep. defeat to them just, it, it takes a lot for them to admit that. Can't lose face. That's right. Right. Hey, Jordan, how, how can they be so incompetent? And I understand it's because they're communists. Okay, I'm just being honest here. But beyond that, how can they be so incompetent as to be failing when they are making unbelievable sums of money because of America's energy policy, which is absolutely benefiting them? They made a lot of mistakes leading up to this. Green energy. It, it, our green energy, I mean, our green buying, energy policy is lining their pockets to unbelievable degrees. Well, because they're buying Russian oil at big discounts. That's correct. Because Russia can only sell it to China and India and maybe Iran or whatever. And they also whatever. own, and they also have uh, what eighty, ninety percent of the uh, rare earth minerals for the correct. world cornered. Yeah, but at this, but this point, I mean, even, they've got that market cornered. They do, but they're not able to cash in on that as they would be if we were all the way through making things change over with EVs and so on. Keep in mind, uh, even as we sit, sit right now, the uh, stockpile of EVs on parking lots at dealer it's lots is starting to increase. So the reality, Jordan, and to Andy's point, uh, while they would like to cash in, I think, on a lot of the rare earth metals they've cornered, they're not doing so right now because, frankly, nobody's really buying them. Yeah, no, that's correct. So in mean, China, we, we thought of those as this big, powerful country that was going to take over and become the number one economy in the world. They are in a world of hurt right now. Yes, they are. That's a real change. Okay, hang on. You have to hang on. You guys have to uh, listen up here for just one moment. Did I not say that about four months ago? You did. Sure. It's just gotten worse. It's gotten worse. That's, and, and part of why I said that was because I'm typically the guy getting all the text messages in on how big and bad China is, and they're going to do this, and they're going to do that. And I tend to have a little different look on China as, hey, they got, a, they got a ton of their own problems that, if they're not careful, could be to their own defeat. Including a lot of debt. I mean, That's right. We, we have a lot of debt. We have 31 to 32 trillion. We also debt. have the biggest GDP they, in the world. Yeah, but they've got much more debt. See, a lot of that, those uh, empty, what they call ghost cities. That's right, those ghost were towns. built on debt. Yep. You know? And the way it works, I've been to China. I, I know how this works. And um, so what happens is um, the local municipality uh, would, would rent the land to developers to build these buildings. And they would take debt to do it. And now the developers are going bust, and they're not paying back those debts. So it's hitting the municipalities as well as the developers. Mm -hmm. The whole real estate market is a complete catastrophe in China. And that was 25% of their growth. Because it's not only the building, but think of all the workers and the 
materials that go into that. It, it was a major driver of their growth that's now going the other direction. And that's why you literally have deflation minus 5.4% in producer prices in one month. Wow. I mean, that is deflationary. Wow. Well, Jordan, maybe if you move to the ghost cities, they'd become the next North Carolina. <laughs> I'm not going there. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I okay. don't blame you for that one. Well, and Jordan, again, given the fact that they are now in a deflationary economy and again some right. of the talk several months ago was oh you know we're going to start they're going to start trading oil and different things beside the usd the usd is going to fall i mean i don't know how many different you know skeptics i heard and tinfoil hat wearers out there along those lines and even had to talk to some of them on this program it's like no time out guys uh china's not as good as you think they are and if they're not careful their currency is going to be worth nothing when it's all said and done right it is hurting them. Now, a weak currency does help them in exporting. Correct. I mean, yes, they're weak. But remember, we still import yes. about $600 billion worth of Chinese stuff every year. Right. They are by far our largest trading partner. And they take in a lot less American goods than we take in Chinese goods. Okay, a lot more. Now, Correct. some companies are moving at least part of their operations out of China to India, to Vietnam, to Thailand, to other places. Apple... Right is now making iPhones in, in Vietnam, for example. I think they're opening a plant in, in India as well. Um, but still, the majority of the manufacturing moved to China, and they have a lot of people to employ. I, I saw another number that uh, their youth unemployment is 20% plus wow. right now. People Whoa. are in their 20s. Wow. Whoa. So a lot of people going through college, getting degrees, and they're, you know, push, push carts and things. There's just no, no jobs for them. Wow. So. There's a lot of problems internally in China, and it was interesting to have Janet Yellen going over there and making nice to them and saying we should get along, it should be all rosy, and we should be friendly competitors and all that. Uh, I don't think she made much progress on that, because they're going to be as aggressive as ever. Hey, uh, with them going through all these deflationary periods, over time, could China actually become a real investment opportunity? Well, I mean... Uh, By low, similar, you know? Not for me. A similar example is Japan. Okay? Japan had a big surge in the 80s, yeah. and then they peaked in 1990. I remember the Nikkei hit 38,000 in 1990, and then for the next 20-plus years, they had deflation in Japan. Yep, going they downhill. doing infrastructure projects and things. They couldn't get inflation going because right. they were in a deflationary mode. Now they've turned around. The stock market's back up to where it was, like 38,000. But that was in 1990. So you have the, the lost decades, they call it. 30 years. You may have the same thing in China. You may have the same thing in yeah, China. Yeah, the problem is identifying the floor. Right. Well, people kept saying there's going to be a floor in Japan. It kept going lower. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, and part of it is the same problem for Japan and, and China, which is demographics. Yes. They've both got very old populations. That have to be supported by younger people and, well, and the younger people again, unemployed. Well, how point, can you have such an old population and still twenty percent unemployment amongst the young? Well, you don't have enough. They had a one-child policy. You don't have enough young right, because of their communist right. Well, so, I know that, but if you have not enough young, you would think that the young would be in, in incredible demand. No, well, when the economy is deflating, it's not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem. All right, talk about employment. Speaking of jobs and all of that, talk about yeah. it back home here. So we have the numbers on Friday. Um, they were weaker than people had been looking for. 209,000 jobs created. The unemployment rate at 3.6%. People have been looking for about 260,000, something like that. Uh, wages are, are growing at about 4.5%, something like that. 
So, I mean, we're still creating a lot of jobs, but not as fast. Every month this year, the number of jobs created has been lower and lower and lower each month. And we're not losing jobs, but we're not getting in. It was interesting. Of that 206,000, 60,000 were in the government sector. So the government's hiring more than, you know, they have been, and the private sector's hiring less to some extent. Um, now, the day before, the ADP report had come out much stronger than expected. That's payrolls, mostly private. So there's kind of some conflicting evidence there. But I, I think the job market of the U.S. is slowing to some extent. Um, but, you know, we're in much better shape than China, I'll tell you that. All right, we'll come back. We'll talk about banks. So, guys, don't go anywhere. Questions for us, let me know. 307-200-8222. High Five Plumbing is next. All your plumbing needs, one-stop shopping. That's High Five Plumbing, 877-WE-HIGH-FIVE. High Five Plumbing will help you keep your basement flood-free with the right sump pump solutions. High Five can save you from water damage and costly foundation repairs. A sump pump replacement isn't an expensive fix, but putting it off can lead to more expensive repairs like flooring, walls, and mold damage. Basement flooding can also lead to eroded foundations or even cause your house to shift. With increased rainfall, sometimes it's necessary to install a second pump to handle the extra water volume. It's hard to tell if the pump is working on your own, so have High Five come out and take a look for you. As a valued KLZ listener, you'll enjoy a waived service call fee and $50 off the repair for a $100 total discount. So call High Five today at 1-877-WE-HIGH-FIVE or go to klzradio.com slash plumbing to schedule your visit. Setbacks, resolve, no need to worry at all. Call High Five to this. Call High Five to Speaking of money, Golden Eagle Financial, Al Smith would love to help you with your financial plan. Don't forget tomorrow, 2 to 2.30, he's got his own program right here on KLZ Radio. Find him at klzradio.com. Al Smith of Golden Eagle Financial is the coach you must have to prepare your retirement for any contingency. For more than 30 years, Al has seen retirement plans interrupted by the need for long-term care, sudden unexpected emergencies, divorce, or many other things that can stop you from enjoying your retirement. Al Smith knows that there's a 50% chance that you'll need long-term care at some point during your retirement and a 25% chance that the care will be for longer than a year and a half. These statistics are why Al works so hard to make sure that you're prepared for whatever comes your way. Al also knows that people often don't consider these events until it's too late to overcome them. Be informed and prepared for a successful, enjoyable retirement. Use Al Smith of Golden Eagle Financial. Don't wait any longer. Schedule a short introduction at klzradio.com slash money to strategize your retirement dream. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC. A registered investment advisor, BCM and Golden Eagle Financial Limited are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. Michael Bailey Law, he also has his own program, 2.30 to 3 o'clock tomorrow when it comes to estate planning. Call Michael, find out how you can get on his docket and get your estate in order, 720-394-6887. If you don't use Michael Bailey, the mobile estate planner, the government will be happy to decide everything for you. It is up to you to dictate exactly what happens to your assets when you pass, Otherwise, a court will be happy to take care of it for you. They offer an easy 144-month estimated turnaround to sort out your assets. And in some cases, they can even draw your case out longer. 
Why would you want to put your family through the trauma of this kind of scenario and allow state probate courts and investigators to invade every aspect of their privacy? Doing things the right way now with Michael Bailey means that your dying wishes will be honored exactly as you intend. Completing a will with Michael Bailey means that your full estate will go to your family instead of a third or more going to pay legal fees to battle it out later. Let Michael Bailey give your family peace after your death by getting your affairs in order now. Get started by going to klzradio.com estate. Live and local, back to Rush to Reason. And we are back. Myself, Andy, Jordan Goodman, America's Money Answer Man. Again, Jordan, how do folks reach you? Jordan at moneyanswers.com is my email. All right, talk about banks and the rising rates and how that's having an impact upon, uh, you, know, dif- you know, different small and medium-sized banks, of course. Okay, so the Federal Reserve has been raising rates. Uh, I think they're going to raise again in July, their 11th increase. So this is meaning for banks, they're having to pay more to keep their deposits. They, they were used to paying zero for a very, very long time, and now they're having to pay somewhat competitive rates. Still, a lot of depositors are taking their money out of medium and small-sized banks and putting them into treasury bills, get about 5%, money market funds, get 4 to 5%, um, or bigger banks where they feel safer. So that's putting the squeeze on these medium and small-sized banks, because meanwhile, their portfolios of mortgages, which they issued at 2 and 3% for a long time, and treasury bonds, they were again buying when treasury bonds are 2 or 3%, are deeply underwater. There are hundreds of billions of dollars of unrealized losses in those bonds and mortgages. And so all you need is uh, somebody to shout losses at the bank, and you get a run on the bank, and it goes out of business, which is what happened with Silicon Valley Bank and First Republic and Signature Bank. You know, so there's a lot of other banks in exactly the same situation. So how is the government reacting to this? They're putting more regulations on them to squeeze the medium and small sized banks even more. The SEC wants more disclosure, so they're going to create more runs on banks by saying you have to disclose if you have potential losses on your balance sheet. And now the Federal Reserve wants banks to increase the amount of capital they keep aside, like a 2% that they should not lend as a buffer against problems. Both of those things are going to cause the banks even more pain. And they're talking about having you know, the stress test they do now for the big banks. I think there were 23 banks that all passed their stress test. But it's extremely complicated, expensive, tons of lawyers you know, doing all these things. Well, the big banks can afford it, but they're not talking about doing that for medium-sized banks, which would be an enormous cost to them. Mm-hmm. So they're really hitting the medium- and small-sized banks pretty hard here. And those are the banks that lend to Main Street. Right. So it's going to make tighter credit for Main Street for both businesses and individuals, because that's where most people get their loans. It's kind of the hometown bank. Right. And the Fed, they're really putting the screws to them right now. How can somebody that banks at a hometown bank, some of our business folks that are out there listening and so on, how can they look to see how healthy their bank is in regards to what you just said? Well, I do have the annual reports. Uh, I mean, if you really want to get into it, the FDIC website, uh, if, certainly if they're a public company, you can look up their financials. But if it's a private company, uh, you could probably get a sense of their annual report and, and see. See, the problem is these bonds and mortgages are uh, unrealized losses. If they had to sell them, they would have huge losses, but they can just keep them on the books. Right. Uh, but but I don't they? I mean, I know I looked at my bank not long ago, and it actually shows on its books how many of those in total 
they would have, so you could kind of get an idea of what kind of potential losses they may have sitting out there. Now, probably I don't big. know if every bank does that, but mine does. But it's probably quite big, right? No, no it's just a smaller, smaller regional bank that I bank at. Yeah. So, anyway, it's a, it's a potential time bomb. Now, the time bomb went off when Silicon Valley Bank went down because they had that problem. Right. And then the word got out that they, that, that was a public company. So they announced off, and in four hours, people took out $40 billion in the bank, um, like clicking on their iPhones. Uh, you know, bank runs are very efficient today. You don't have to go in the bank and scream at Correct. the teller anymore. Correct. Um, and so that's what took them down in a day, basically. The same thing could happen with other banks. So it's just another warning. But the way the Federal Reserve and the SEC is responding to it is going to exacerbate it, as far as I'm concerned. I miss screaming at the teller. I, don't go in I mean, if I'm going to do a run on the bank, I want to go to the bank. I just, yeah. I, you know, th- honestly, Jordan, this is scary. This really scares it me is. because, you know, when you look at these smaller banks, there are a ton of them. And, you know, I've got accounts in banks. Now, does this only affect you if you have large accounts or, you Over, know, because well, they're, they're, they're not as protected? You're insured up to 250000 right. per account. Right, right. So, and one thing you can do is shift it amongst many, if you have much more than that, yes. have that in several accounts at different banks. That, you know, you can do it that way to protect yourself. But in the case of Silicon Valley Bank, about 80% right. of their deposits were uninsured. They were, they were way over the 250000 limit. Companies. They were quasi-insured, uh, Jordan. Companies. Quasi-insured, because they still got their money. Well, they were connected. Yes, they were the connectedly FDIC, insured. Yes, because they were leftists and they owned the people who could take care correct. of them. Yes. But the FDIC didn't want to run on the bank, the entire banking system. So overnight, that Sunday night, uh, Silicon Valley Bank failed basically on Friday. Right. And Sunday night, the FDIC said, okay, we're going to insure all the uninsured deposits. Because oh, there sure. was going to be a massive problem. They did it for all if, of us. If people couldn't. <laughs> I'm no, sorry. They didn't do it for us. I'm sorry, Jordan. No, I'm, I'm not buying us. that they did it for all of us. I, I understand they didn't want to see a panic, but I think a lot of it was they were helping people who were connected to them. Yes. 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 <laughs> I mean, the, the, the people who had big money in, in Silicon Valley Bank were the most powerful people in the country, the venture right. capitalists, the private right. equity firms, the head of tech companies. Yes, these are very well-connected people who have a lot of lobbyists who say, you know, you 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 got to throw all your rules out the window. Forget the two hundred fifty thousand dollars limit. Insure everybody instantly. And it was about two hundred and twenty billion dollars in deposits that they insured in Sunday night before the banks opened Monday morning to cause a worldwide panic. That's right. <laughs> Talk about it. Let's move to oil in the last few minutes here. All right. So oil price has been going down lately, um, and the Saudis and the Russians have been cutting oil production to to boost the prices, and it hasn't been working. It's unusual. Um, so they cut several times, actually. So I think the reason oil prices are in the low 70s, high 60s, something like that, um, is because we talked about China being in such weak condition. They, they're going to use a lot less oil right. if they're not, you know, their economy is tanking. Europe's in a recession, so it's, it's using less oil. Uh, I mean, so it's good news for American consumers because here we are in the middle of the driving season, and gas is you know, 50 a gallon, something like that, probably going down a bit. So that's a, a benefit to consumers uh, because of the low. But it's, it's amazing that the Saudis and Russians, both cutting production, oil has not bounced back up the way they wanted to. Which, again, at the end of the day, hurts them and their wallets because they don't have the same income when they do that. 
correct. I mean, the Saudis spend a lot of money. Oh, yes, they do. And that old royal family is a lot of mouths to feed. On a lot of mouths to feed and a lot of workers to, to feed, that's right. And uh, they need much higher oil prices than, than $70. Yeah, they like driving uh, Lamborghinis and Ferraris, not, not Toyotas. That's, that is correct. And so those Saudis, they're hurting. They are hurting, just like the Chinese. Not, not quite as bad. No, Although but, traditionally, uh, this has really hurt American companies much worse because it is much, much more expensive to produce and develop oil here than it is over there. Right. Yes. So generally, right. when you had oil in the $70 range, it was of a huge benefit to the Middle East. Right, and it is now. And as we're not doing much more drilling in the United States because it's $70, it's not worth it. I mean, maybe it gets up to 90 but even so, people are not sure it's going to stay up for a long time. To, to start drilling, you have to have confidence right. that oil is going to stay high for longer, and that doesn't seem... So, yeah, we're still not energy independent anymore because a lot of drilling we did has been shut down for other reasons as well, environmental reasons, regulation reasons as well. But at, at $70, you're not going to get a lot of new drilling out of the U.S. Nope, you are exactly right. All right, one last time, folks can find you, Jordan. JordanMoneyAnswers.com. I get emails from you folks all the time. I'm always glad to help them. All right. Appreciate it, Jordan. Until next month, have a great one, sir. Very good. Thank you both. You bet. Take care. Appreciate it. American National Insurance is next. Make sure that you are properly insured. In other words, have the right insurance, the right deductibles. You're doing it correctly. Paul Lewinberger, my good friend, can help you with all of that. And he's actually somebody you can meet with face-to-face. 303-662-0789. Paul Lewinberger will teach you how to pay for home insurance the right way. Saving money on premiums while protecting yourself from catastrophic costs in the future. American National Insurance keeps premiums low by attracting clients who choose to self-insure the small stuff. Most people don't understand basic economics, so they file claims all the time, driving up the cost of insurance year after year. You listen to Rush to Reason, so you probably have a better head on your shoulders, financially speaking, than the average homeowner. Still, you can learn new strategies from Paul Lewinberger to practice responsible money management. The smartest homeowners only file claims in emergencies, opting to pay out-of-pocket for everyday expenses. Personal responsibility benefits everyone, enabling you to afford total loss coverage. Call John's personal insurance agent, Paul Lewinberger, with American National Insurance for details about his one-of-a-kind rebate program, 303-662-0789. We don't yell at you. We inform you. Now, back to Rush to Reason. All right, we are back at it. That was a good time, by the way, with Jordan. I appreciate that very much. Jordan, if you're still listening, thank you very much. I do appreciate it. We come back. Uh, Andy and I, and I saved this for Andy prior to thank going you. on the uh, 4th of July you know, hiatus. As there's a local individual who some of you may know and I know, and I will give his name when we come back, and I just have... A bone to pick. He wrote an article in the Denver Gazette about Casa Bonita and the prices. And from a conservative point of view, frankly, I just struggle with what was written because it is just, in my opinion, totally, totally, totally off base. It goes back to the the conversation Andy and I had a couple of Tuesdays ago about Republicans and conservatives that are entitled I almost feel like this entire article was written from that entitled point of view rather than from a capitalist point of view. And yet this individual would claim openly on air, because he's got his own show, to be a capitalist. But yet he didn't write it that way. Sorry to give a spoiler, but I agree. Okay, we'll come right back. Don't go anywhere. Hour number two is next. Rush to Reason, Denver's Afternoon Rush, KLZ 560.